We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And we were initially going to do a pod on the MVP race. And we'll be getting to that in a pod soon. But as the Lakers season winds down, we're recording this. And there's a good chance that 24 hours from now, the Lakers will be mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, thusly ending the just a disastrous season. And whenever there is even just a, a bad or, or a season that underperforms by Lakers standards or relative to expectations, this is far from the first one that's done that in Lakers history. The resulting offseason is always just people lose their minds, right? <laughs> it's, it's always very dramatic. We had magic going on the talk show circuit the other day. There's going to be all sorts of articles. If you've been a Laker fan for any length of time, you know that there's a certain way that this thing goes. And the most recent time that happened was after LeBron's first season, magic quit uh, on, on live TV, basically in front of everyone uh, the last day of the season if you remember that time, it was just, there was all sorts of stuff, right? I don't want to rehash all of it, but it was just generally crazy. And it's funny, this season, I keep wanting to uh, call back to my hospitalization for some reason, right? I keep like calling back to that. And when Vogel was introduced is when I was in the hospital. And apparently that was a particularly just like crazy week. And Harrison and Anthony had come down to visit me in the hospital when I had been uh, taken out of there. No, I think I was still in ICU at that point. Or no, they couldn't visit in ICU. Anyway, Harrison and Anthony came down to visit. So I'd been unconscious for like five days. And I'm like, hey, what's going on with the Lakers, right? And because there's like no other point of my life where I would have like a week gap in knowing what's going on with the Lakers. <laughs> and I'll never forget. Remember, these are two guys, too, that like their job is to ride on and cover the Lakers. And just the look of like, and I think Harrison said something along the lines like, we actually want you to get better. So just don't ask, right? Like, don't ask about it. Just, you know, we'll we'll tell you about it later. And then 
that very season, the Lakers went on to win an NBA championship. So all that's to say is that we are a freaking wild ride. And this is a dip in the roller coaster we've been through before, D. Talk to me about your experience about some dramatic ass Lakers teams after uh, going into the offseason after they've underperformed. So before you kick it to me, you know, during that entire time, this was a two man pod. So it's just me and you going back and forth. And we had had all these conversations in the wake of like Jim and Mitch being being fired by Jeannie and Magic being hired. And, and those were dramatic times for sure. But it was you and me talking. Now we have one Mike Trudell here on the pod. And Mike, you would have had a front row seat for the scenario that Pete was just describing, right? You were you were at Vogel's introductory press conference. Were were you in the scrum when Magic was uh, talking to reporters about and like the famous meme of him shaking his head, talking about I'm not going to be here and that whole thing because it was pretty close to game time. And so I'm wondering if if you were already sort of sequestered away to the court. And you were out of the loop at that point or were you in the mix? I need to hear this story because we've never actually discussed this part of things. And now you're here. You're <laughs> you're third man in the booth. So I'm sorry to put you on the spot right here. But but I'd love to hear the context of, of your day, it, like a day in the life of the Lakers reporter that is on that specific day. <laughs> you're, you're not putting me on the spot. It's fine. I was... I was holding the mic. Yeah. Like, I, like I, that was the, the spectrum Mike hey, would be speaking hey, into. Yeah. I was what holding flex. it. So I was, what a flex. Were you in the room? Oh, no. That, I was holding not the a mic. Flex. That's not a flex. That's like my my job. That's like my main job, right, is to be there for the, the press conferences, right? So okay. I'm um, – the way that it happened, though, was that Luke Walton's availability had just wrapped up. And Magic comes walking down the hallway and, you know, whenever Magic walks anywhere, the the Red Sea parts, like mm-hmm. it, it's a there's a uh, there's always that element to it. But he so he comes walking in and you know, kind of saying hello, greeting, greeting, greeting. And he just my recollection of it, at least, is he just walks basically like straight to the podium. And I'm standing there, and the camera had actually started to walk a different way because we were going to go have my typical it goes like the coach talks and then there's a live hit on the court a couple minutes later. And sometimes there's two cameras. Sometimes they have to take the camera and actually move it. And so the camera starts to walk away and I look over at the camera and I'm like, Hey, get back here, get back here and turn the camera on. Right. And so, <laughs> and then magic, it wasn't like he started taking questions right away. He just, he just started rolling. And so I'm just there holding the microphone and I don't, I don't remember at what point I'm sure I asked, a question. I don't remember what it was, honestly, but he talked for a good 40 minutes. And so it was, yeah, in, in a lot, he said a lot. And I, my, my perspective on it, of course, was like me while he's talking, I'm also kind of texting some people about what's going on and you know, some of my bosses and, and stuff. And, and I think tweeting, but not tweeting a ton. It was more just sort of listening and it was wild. So that was that was the that was my it definitely was a front eye view for it or a, a court side view for it. But 
I would have to go back and actually listen to more of it to remember because it was all so mind blowing um, as it was going on. If I can jump in, D, I was also in the room, but I was not holding the mic. I think I was I think I was uh, credentialed for the game by you, by by Form Blue and Gold. And so I'd gotten there and I I so I'd gotten there and I walked into the media room at a certain time where it was like and it was empty. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird. Like I'd gotten there a little bit later for that that game than I normally did. It was the last game of the season. I'd normally get there early to watch shoot around for whatever reason. I was caught up and got there and the media room was empty. And I look on TV and it says Mas- Magic Johnson, uh, president of basketball operations, resigns. And I'm like, my eyes get all big. And they got all these TVs in the media room uh, at, at the arena. And I'm like, oh, shit. And so like I sprint over to where it is and the room is Hat. And so I'm like in the back corner of the room just and, you know, I'm I'm always still very much a fan, even in those circumstances. But I, I'm trying to stifle it. And I'm just like, oh, magic is is quitting here on the spot. Right. And so we're no stranger to these types of oddities. And it's funny because the season that the Lakers won the championship, I think one of the things that we had discussed a lot during that year was while there were forces at play that put the Lakers in difficult situations to manage. We talked about like the China thing with Daryl Morey's tweet, and then suddenly the Lakers are in China. And then obviously Kobe Bryant's passing, and then the COVID shut down. And so there were all of these hurdles that season that the Lakers dealt with. And some of those things very specific to their organization, right? Like the COVID shutdown was real for everyone. and. Sure. And the pandemic and the return and then the bubble, that was real for so many teams. And, and I don't want to make I don't want to single the Lakers out there. But some of the other stuff was very much limited to them or them and a couple of other teams. But those were external things. The internal drama piece that is typically a hallmark of pretty much almost every Lakers season has at least a twinge of that. That was almost entirely absent. And to a startling degree, like yeah, a very unusual degree. And it was very interesting to sort of go through that sort of season where um, the resiliency that the Lakers were showing was totally related to external factors rather than a resiliency to their own internal dramas and arguments and pettiness and and just sort of the the showtime nature of things that has been around basically for as long as I've followed the team. And, and so we, we are very familiar with what that sort of thing looks like. And this year, I think, has been more like that 2019 season within the context of like all of these things have happened to the Lakers. I don't necessarily think that there's been a ton of like internal drama of like bickering you know, when Magic went on first take in the aftermath of resigning, there was a lot of finger pointing and a lot of drama of like, he said this and this dude tried to do this to me. And it was reminiscent of like those old Kobe and Shaq beef stories of like, well, this dude said this to a teammate and then they were almost coming to blows in the locker room. And, right. And so that sort of stuff has been around the Lakers for a long time. This year, I was just like, oh, well, everyone got hurt. The team roster construction wasn't that great, but there's potential for a return that, mm-hmm. of that stuff. So mm-hmm. let's go to break here because on the other end, 
I want us to talk about some of that and it lurking in and what is going to shape up to be a pretty wild offseason. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. So Pete, you're nodding your head. And I know that you feel me on sort of the direction of where things are going here. Lay out the landscape a little bit of where things are and, and sort of the path that you envision some things potentially going. Yeah, the reason I wanted to talk about this today was uh, kind of inspired by magic, you know, going on on the shows, but also like we've had since the trade deadline, there's a certain degree of and, – and first, I want to say every party that's involved in putting together this team was very much a part of putting together a championship team. And I've got a, a level of appreciation for every person involved here where like I'm speaking from love here. But what I've noticed is there's a certain – in the – Rhetoric coming out, and this is filtered through, you know, kind of gossipy columns and things like that. But th there's a certain distancing that I've seen of like, a, oh, yeah, that that move. I wanted this guy instead. Right. Like, a, according to reports type of thing. Right. And so seeing that there, it gives me a certain worry in terms of like finger pointing. Right. And it's not that overt. Um, it, it's not overt in the ways that you were talking about uh, in the 2019 off season, but it does very much have the potential to be that. And so I think that my, my biggest concern going into the off season is the degree to which everyone involved says, Hey, I own a piece of this. Part of why things went the way that it did is because of the way I did my job. And that goes for a whole, like you don't fall as hard as we did without a lot of things going wrong and without a lot of people messing up. That happens, and that happens with champions, too. We've seen it with really good teams or, or teams that had that championship pedigree. This was not a good team, but we've seen that in, in the past. And so, Mike, that 
to me is, is a more overall thing, even before anything else is just a certain amount of like, Hey, we all got into this situation together. Let's try to climb our way out of it. Yeah. As usual, that could be a metaphor for any type of life situation, right? If you're, if you're having a tough thing and you need to recognize what it is that went wrong and then deal with it. And I was doing a, a little bit of a look back at this season for a piece that, that we do just on like an email blast and for season ticket holders and people that have signed up internally. And I was the first comparison since we mentioned the 1920 season, some, and I'm going to, I'm going to get to a different place because where I started was and where I've kind of been consistently starting this year was these injuries to AD and LeBron. And so it's, it's a yes and no situation to me. So 1920 LeBron only missed four games that year and AD only missed nine. So that is, that is definitely where you start, right? Like that alone compared to this year where AD will be at around 40 and LeBron will be, you know, anywhere from 50, 56 to 60, right? Depending on if he plays a lot, what he plays in the last four games. So that's the first place, but the main difference, especially early in the season that year was LeBron coming off the first time he had missed the playoffs in forever and not just missed the playoffs, but gone to the finals for like eight straight seasons. And he had to sit there and watch everybody discuss and debate who the best player was in the league between Kawhi and Kevin Durant, you know, mm. and that was mm-hmm. the, that was where some of the revenge season was born and King, Mike watched the King. washed King. Yep. So, and not only that, then, then people started taking some shots at Bronny, you know, and, and adding a, some additional. So LeBron was coming in, on a mission. AD, of course, had just been traded for, but had been ripped a lot the previous season because of the way that things had gone in New Orleans. And and I know everybody probably remembers all of this, but so there was a very unique chance for for just those two guys, let alone what the supporting cast was, to, was to come in and say, hey, like this, this is going to work. It's going to work right away. And we're going to lead the way on the court with energy, with effort, with defense. And so they come out and they lose the season opener in a, in a really good game, a tough game to the Clippers that probably could have gone either way. Uh, balls ended up bouncing their way. And then they just start ripping off wins. Didn't matter what new system, new teammates, whatever. D- didn't really matter what they were running. Seven and one. They start. Then they get to, was it 17 and two, I think. And then eventually 24 and three. I wish we had a longer offseason to appreciate that team. Sorry, I just want to interject that. Like, yeah, whenever we talk to, about them, it's like they were so fun, man. Yeah, yeah. Or go to a parade, <laughs> I mean, right? Uh, yeah. Like that was a really that was a special team in a way that we didn't get a chance to appreciate. That just occurred to me while you were like, man, they yeah. hit the ground running and and they were no, they man, were on they, it. They won seventeen straight Western Conference road games. Mm. Think about that. This this team this year hasn't won two straight games since January. You know, so. It's just a so, but that's in in LeBron and AD, and of course, how little. Not only have they not played together this year, but much. But when they have, it's been so sporadic. And I so I actually detailed and I went through the actual injury log to see how staggered it is. So it's both consistent and staggered. So that's that's where it starts. But it's that it's that motivation piece. And and how do how does not just how did not just LeBron and AD for next year, but you know, really the entire organization find that again, you know, find that hunger sitting here. And I, and so I think, I think one reason for optimism in that sense of the way that the season ended, how bad everything went, all of the losses, missing the playoffs completely. It's a little bit different from last year where it was like, well, mm-hmm. would have beat Phoenix and maybe yep. won the title. 
I hate that health. shit, man. They're, they're no, probably going to no. beat us again by 20 tonight for like the eighth straight time. Like, I, like it's not, I'm not even saying that it's wrong, but like the continued talk about it, like this is what I talk about, about like not living for today, not being worried about today. Like, yeah, we did that or we could have, would have, should have, or we maybe will again if we get our guys healthy. Like, I don't know, man. Like, well, I, it's, the- it, it wears thin. The flip side, so that is an interesting one. Maybe Darius, uh, I'm, I'll go the other way on that, and then maybe Darius can come in uh, in the middle. Just kidding, bro. Just kidding, bro. The So we don't like to hear about Kendrick Perkins, right? Correct. And and the whole Boston, oh, well, if, if Kendrick Perkins would have just been healthy. Um, I Because for, for a couple of reasons. One, I thought Rasheed Wallace actually gave, like provided a better alternative in, in that game with the spacing. Now they could have could they have used another banger inside? Sure, but that would have taken away one of the few ways that they were scoring in that game. Mm-hmm. And regardless, Perkins though he is not Anthony Davis. And I, by the way, I really enjoy Perk uh, as an analyst. But so I'm not. I don't know how if you're Anthony Davis or if you're the Lakers, how do you not think that we would have gone and won that series? So, so you, maybe you can get to a certain point. You can just stop saying it. I well, guess. I mean, and, and it's fine. It, but, but like, who cares now? That's my point. Is like well, it's the past now. Sure. But, but it's sure. But it's still, it's the way that if I'm just as a journalist, if I'm describing what happened last year, what happened last year is that they were up two one AD had dominated the Suns in games two and three, not like perk had dominated the Lakers in game six. Okay. The AD had dominated the Suns. They didn't have an answer for him physically, right? That, that, so that exists, that happened. But now that, now that you're onto this summer, there is absolutely nothing like that. You can sure, sure yes, there were injuries all season, yeah, but sure. there is a much larger reckoning, and that's my point. Where yeah. LeBron and AD and anybody else who's going to be here next year, and going on all throughout the organization, everybody is just going to have to sit back, watch the playoffs, and stew right up until the next season starts. And so we need to that, stew. That we need to do some stewing. Allow, that should allow for a different type of all-around motivation. Darius uh, than what happened after last year when it was just, yeah, if AD stayed healthy, we would have beaten the Suns and maybe would have won the whole title. So I should love your thoughts on that, Darius, following the break. These are such great points because the idea of being derailed and feeling like you were closer than what you probably were lingers. And it's like the old story of like the girl that got away and how they stay on your mind for longer than like, were they really the one, right? Like you romanticize things or, or people in general romanticize things that maybe weren't as close to being yours as what it really was. Gotta watch the tape. And that is, that is a tricky thing to move past in your own mind when you actually have real goals that and real work that needs to be done and actually to get there. And that bridge is the bridge that these Lakers never crossed. They never crossed that bridge in order to close that gap. So I'm with you, Mike, that the reckoning is here now. The question I have is Pete's original question is with that reckoning, what is the recognition that comes from that reckoning and how do the people who are the decision makers and the people who are still going to be here next season, LeBron James is going to be here next season. 
Anthony Davis is going to be here next season. Who else? I'm not sure, right? Austin Reeves, Stanley Johnson is under contract, but whatever. Whoever is going to be a part of things, that idea of we're all in this together is great and it's the way it needs to be. But first you need to identify who's actually going to be here and what decisions are going to be made and who's empowered to make what what decisions. And there's an inherent slipperiness that comes when trying to evaluate that. And so Pete, talk to me some about like top down that looking in the mirror and that accountability and then that saying and then that galvanizing of people in order to then say, okay, this was my part. That was your part. This was their part, right? And we're all doing this together. Now, what is the next thing, right? And because that's super important because without that, you're doomed to repeat the same mistakes. And the Lakers don't have time for that. Like if every comment about LeBron James also mentions his season, like what year he is in, Next year is going to be a nice round number, too. It's going to be year 20. Yes. In one more season, his NBA career after that could buy alcohol. That means you've been <laughs> in the league a long-ass time. Uh-huh. Right? So, Jeannie Buss and Rob Palinka, the Rambi, right? LeBron James, Anthony Davis, those are the leaders, within this organization, like it or not, right? You could quibble or poke holes in, or why is it that person or this person has too much, whatever. Mm -hmm. At some point, these are the minds that are going to need to sit down and say, this is where we're going. And I don't expect changes in that brain trust. Do you, Pete? We're a family organization and that has strengths and weaknesses. And I think that several of the weaknesses of that have have been visited upon us. But I think several of the strengths in our championship year, like it comes with it. We're again, we're a wild ride. That's a little bit different than any other team. And it's also one of the reasons that we've produced different results than, than other teams have. But with respect to how does that brain trust move forward to me? And this is so much on how just I even see the world is I watch The idea of watching the tape is I think it's important to go back and reflect on something that was important, especially when it didn't work out. Not like it's fun to watch tape of the 2020 team. Watching tape of this team stunk, man. <laughs> like it was like, come on, man. Like make your rotation. Just like basic, this drives me crazy basketball stuff. And oh, I get it from seven angles. Great. This is fun. And so that whole like when you go back and watch the tape of, of bad games. What it does is it removes kind of your passion in the moment for it. And now there are a couple of the leaders within that brain trust who don't have that like day-to-day live and die with the planning for and results of the team. And like and LeBron, LeBron and AD are going to have a different relationship with the day-to-day than, of course, Jeannie Buss. And so that said, especially when you're in wild and chaotic times. I think it's especially important to review once when the emotion of it is gone. That's one of the things I've always loved about watching tape is like the first time I watch the game, Mike, I'm in my lizard brain, you know, as a fan. And we've experienced that with each other in the text thread. And that's been super fun over, over this uh, past year plus of, but you're not like 
you don't come to the same conclusions as you do when you're in the moment. And what I don't want to happen is kind of a like, ah, well, that sucked. Moving on. Right. Like, I think that there needs to be a certain amount of review in the process of like, how did we get here in the first place? And yeah. you brought up the Phoenix series, Darius. There are a couple of things that we conveniently forget when we talk about that. One, Chris Paul's arm being dead for mo- most of that series. But the second thing is the one that bothers me most because I think is something that we missed in the review of the season before. Our game one in that series was, to me, disrespectful playoff basketball. There was a play where the Suns had a sideline inbounds and like we thought the ball was off of them, but they gave uh, the Suns the ball or something like that. And all five of our guys are just walking up the court. And Phoenix inbounds the ball up the sideline to Booker, who's like, and they're like, shit, you're not going to guard us and get back in transition deep. And so like our energy, that whole game was like, these guys ain't shit. We're going to beat them. No problem. And that was reflected again in game three when in that fourth quarter, we're dancing and, you know, having fun because, and I do think that at that that point, if everybody stayed at their same level of health, the Lakers did have it. And that's why they were dancing. But that's not the point is that like, when you've got the chance to have LeBron and Anthony Davis on the floor, you can't mess around in a game one like that, Mike. And there's a certain degree of like, we'll we'll get it. We'll get it down well, the road. You know what he, I'm saying? No, I, I don't here. Okay. I really, Please. So this is called this is called trying to this is called defending a championship. This is what happens. This is human nature. You do not come back with the exact same level of desperation and desire the following year after you win a championship. It's you just you do not. It's why I said earlier, like it, Milwaukee not adding some sort of key piece unless Giannis can somehow, somehow overcome it. Like throughout the history of the NBA, it's this is this is what happens. Teams. The 2001 Lakers went 15 and one and smoked everybody coming off of a championship. That is that is an exception to the general rule of life that when you have success defending it, defending the, the throne, once you get there to the rock is harder. And it is, but once you get to the playoffs, like walking around in a game one, I'm not. I'm not excusing, and I'm not arguing that it's that it's better to come out that way, Pete. I'm not advocating for doing it. I'm saying that that's what happens, and that's what happens almost every time uh, you watch the NBA, unless you add some sort of key key extra piece. Just as more context to this part too, and and I'm raising up my Switzerland flag here, is that the Lakers under Frank Vogel and LeBron James games as well, I think their game ones have typically been a little bit less serious than the Feel rest out. of their series within the within the set. Now, now I will say the play that Pete's describing, those are like those are those those are like the types of unforgivable plays where I'm just like like those are bad plays in general. And so I don't want to necessarily equate like that single possession to the idea that I'm presenting here or even the larger idea that that Mike's presenting. But there is a certain sense of like, we'll get it back later with it. Like within LeBron, I, I, I think within LeBron James teams in general, and there have been very few times where I feel like a LeBron James led team especially for the Lakers, but even in history um, during the latter part of his run towards like finals and, and championships where he didn't feel like we'll get it back. 
right? Like the game one, I remember the super game one he had against the Warriors where they lost, where J.R. Smith forgot the score and mm-hmm. LeBron, that was maybe like one of LeBron's single best performances ever. And it came in in a loss. And I thought that that loss sort of really hurt the team's mentality moving forward because they really felt like they needed that game. The game against the Suns, just like game one against the Blazers in the title run, just like game one against the Rockets. Those were all the sort of games where it's just like, we'll feel it out some. I know, Pete, what you're talking about, though, goes beyond that. And so yes. I don't want to equate it to that. But I do think it's like somewhat related to that idea. It's not the same idea, but it's but it's related. Well, it, it is. And it's also part of the it's one of the reasons why defending a championship is so hard to like to speak to Mike's point it, is that even mentally you can start putting some things under the umbrella of, oh, it's hard to defend a a title or uh, we've had injuries. You can start putting things under that that are not actually that. And so, for example, the comparison between game one against Portland or game one against Houston, the Lakers were they were in it in both of those games. They shot like crap in game one against Portland and in game one against Houston, they hadn't gone small yet. And that was a micro ball Houston team that was very unique, that really carved up like JaVale started that uh, that game one. And so once the Lakers went to like that, the the look that they needed to go to, they got progressively better and kind of broke them throughout the series. That to me is very different than the like just general walking up the court malaise in a playoff game that spoke to me to an overconfidence. We've been overconfident uh, and that that we will be able to get back to it Um in that's not all it is, of course, and that's not even I think the main ingredient. I do think the main thing is the injuries, and that it all that it does come back to LeBron and AD, and even mentally for a team, Mike, having LeBron and AD, you talk about this all the time. You kind of puff your chest out a little bit more when you got both of those guys. When you're and all of a sudden the role players play better because they're slotted appropriately. So these things do like fall under a similar umbrella for me, Mike. But there are some more insidious things that I've seen kind of seep in that are more tied to overconfidence. Yeah, sure. But that's, I think that's all baked into understanding what this team is. And in a really, again, we're talking probably more about the LeBron and AD combo compared to Shaq and Kobe or Jordan and Pippen. And and what were, what were Shaq and Kobe and Jordan and Pippen led by like a certain, the certain mentality that's basically Mamba mentality mixed with Jordan's mentality where like that, you know, LeBron, LeBron's approach has, has worked amazingly and tremendously for him. It's not the exact same as that. And Anthony Davis, as the second guy, in, in, in that sense, Kobe would have been the second guy to Shaq, is not Kobe in that sense either. So there, and that's why I talked about there is no disputing what happened this year. And so LeBron and AD specifically, take take them, that's that's the most important thing. But then that extends, to the, front off, that extends yeah. to the front office as well. So this is more what I'm, I'm not like arguing with you about I think we would all in watching any of our teams play in any sport prefer 100 percent crazed psycho effort at at all times. Like and that's but we have to recognize what the what like how to get that and what the specific leadership of that team is. And I just think that this summer there's a better chance that the Lakers are going to get that than there was for certainly for the start of last year or for the start of this year. Very much agree. I also think that who your role players are or your third best and fourth best and fifth Mm -hmm. best guy 
what their personality traits are, what their characteristics mm-hmm. are as players matters as well, right? Yeah, like Ron, Ron Artest in 2009 or on a, on a less successful version, like Patrick Beverly for the Timberwolves this year. You know, like having one one key role player like that, yeah. Yeah, well, Mike, not even one, but more than that, right? And so, like, I look back, but look back one. to those Kobe and Shaq teams and, like, like the guys like Derek Fisher and Rick Fox and Robert Ory, those – those dudes were sort of like a mix of dog and professionalism and and this idea of of like standards yes are yes. About, right and so there is the the underlying thing is you always need a certain amount of competitiveness right but the arrogance and the overconfidence that Pete is talk, talking about that is inherent in some players but not all players right and so i look at a guy like Dennis Schroeder for example, Dan Schroeder was competitive as hell, mm-hmm. right? He would be up in your jersey. He'd be ready to go 100%. And I think this season's team missed some of that. What I will say, though, too, is that Dan Schroeder also has a little bit of that I'm better than I am sort of idea. And like, don't come at me. You like you don't know who I am. And it's just like, I know who mm-hmm. you are, dog. You're Dennis Schroeder, right? Like, <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not the star. Yeah. Now compare that to a Danny Green or an Alex Caruso or even a KCP, right? And and star in your role type guys, yeah. Yes, where it's just like like there's none of that inherent I'm better than you. It's I'm going to play as hard as I can and as smart as I can and that's going to win the day. This is what I always talk about with top picks. Like this team is led by two number one overall picks that that whole idea of like not being better than you. This is something that is true on every level of basketball is if there's a player on the floor who is considerably better than anybody else on the floor at their best, the amount of time that they are operating those RPMs right at that red line, Mike, is not as often as a KCP or a Patrick Beverly. If KCP or Patrick Beverly were like 60, 70% like that, they wouldn't be in the NBA. They couldn't succeed. They couldn't get there in the first place, right? And so like having those guys on your team are like that, that is something that is in- internal. I think it speaks to your point, D, that this is something that comes from within, not something that's derived from your stars or anything like that. Yeah. And especially after success has been gained by having the pedal down the whole year, which it was in 2019-20. You know, then that's where I think that the construction and the makeup of it, I I liked having guys like Shooter and Harrell come in that next regular season. You know, guys that had a chip on their shoulder, you know, that were going to 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 carry some of that and to take some of that. And I think that this is where we get into some of a rust discussion. And we're already late in the pod, so we'll save mm-hmm. some of it. But at least the the universal understanding of Russ, I think, the way that people mm-hmm. thought about him going into that season was that he was one of those guys where he's going to show up every game. He's got the chip on the shoulder. He's going to go to a certain degree. And and I think that you know throughout the course of his, his career, a lot of that is true. But there are also some more subtleties, some subtleties to Russ's game. And a lot of that energy comes on the ball, you know, and yep. dominating mm-hmm. and him, the, him being the sun. And yep. everything else sort of revolving. And so and when he's not, and I'd say the same thing, it, he's far from the only player like this. There's somebody like Damian Lillard, you know, where if Lillard doesn't have the ball, 
And as much as I love Dame, he's not doing a lot defensively. He's not doing a lot off the ball. He'll certainly drain a three if you give it to him off the ball. But he's not like Steph Curry off the ball, you know, or or just it, it take a I'll, – I'll save it. I'll save the other comparisons for now. But that – so that Russ came in and didn't – from the start of the season, right, before the first couple of games and everybody's trying to get to know each other – wasn't just like pushing the pedal down and lifting the entire energy of the team like some of the idea, which I think including us on this podcast. Oh, me and speculate about guilty, and, and, guilty. Yeah, and yes. so and, and even if even if there was some worry for me about other things with Russ, I did think that just some of that some of that raw energy would inspire. And it didn't it just for whatever reason, it didn't fit. It didn't work great um, with the way that LeBron and AD came in. And, and so that's. That's then where the first guy that you thought of in that context, but then looking on down the rest of the roster, you just don't have a lot of those same type of competitive, gritty, you know, role player type guys that are used to being role players that are used to bringing the intangibles, which is why Austin Reeves was such a welcome sight because he was he was used to that. That's how he played when he was a freshman in high school and how his team beat Malik Monk's more talented team in the state championship game because Austin was perfectly content to do all the little things while his brother and the, uh, the other kid his age's older brother scored. It's that whole mix, I think, that can be evaluated now in this offseason. And if I'm building a team now around LeBron and AD, right, There's there has to be some of that level of dog and competitiveness and, and little thing role players and size and all that kind of stuff that worked before. Amen. Beautifully said, man. That That is like, I want to get it. We don't have the time to get into Russ now. I think you very much nailed the thing for me that I feel like I got the wrongest about Russell Westbrook um, was that and like the nature of his competitiveness and what he's competitive about it. It uh, it begs a longer conversation for sure. And then just what we need, I think, from the guys around us. We got a big old lesson in the value of, of role players this year. Guys, this was a really fun pod. I am so glad to be drifting out of coach mode, right? In terms of looking at this season and talking about more of these bigger picture ideas. Um, and it is, here we go, guys. It's kind of, you know, kicking off, I think a, a wild off season. I hope that we can acknowledge where we went wrong. I hope we take a time to review and that we can work together going forward to get back to the other end of the roller coaster because Lord knows that's what we're on. <laughs> but, uh, this is fun. Uh, we will be back tomorrow to cover perhaps uh, uh, life after playoff expectations. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one. Listen. Brian. Unbelievable. For the victory. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Brian. Yeah.
with a little tap to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.